Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. It is Tuesday, November 14th, 2017. You guessed it. I'm back here with Shaka to talk about Week 10. A lot went down, but I think the playoff picture is starting to take some shape. And, uh, dude, we got to break this thing down. Shaka, real quick, how you doing? How's your week going? I'm good. I'm great, actually. Um, I think my only problem right now is I think it's time to see Christian Hackenberg in the <laughs> NFL. You know. I thought that would make you laugh. I, dude, it absolutely did. I was not expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> of all the zany quarterback names that I've heard this past weekend, Hackenberg is certainly one I haven't heard in a bit. So thank you for breathing life into that. My pleasure. Uh, let's just jump into the zaniness that's been going on because there's there's a lot of moving parts. And, you know, Shaka and I have been kind of looking at some of the, uh, the way we've been structuring this format a lot is looking at some games that I think have stuck out. We're going to do that today, but I think as the season progresses... Um, I'm, t- I'm telling Shaka this right now. Uh, I think I think we might start backing away and just looking at the playoff picture more. Um, some of these games are forgettable. Some of these teams are forgettable. Um, and uh, and really, the playoff picture is pretty darn interesting this year, especially with teams like the Rams and the Eagles shooting up to the top of the charts. Um, but before we get off and running, I think one of the teams that also fits into this category, which is very appropriate, is the New Orleans Saints. So the Saints and the Bills. Saints absolutely dominated the Bills in Buffalo, 47-10. to 10. Um, Really impressive to see the Saints start 0-2 and reel off seven straight wins. This is clearly not the 7-9 and picture of mediocrity that the Saints have been over the last three seasons. This is really a team that's well on its way to getting back into the playoffs and making some noise. But I think the thing that's sticking out, and, I, and the thing I want to talk to you about, Shaka, is the Saints have gone from this air attack, this Drew Brees throwing... 7,000 yards a season and just airing it out left and right. Have They've gone to a run game. This is a team that's now ground and pound. Okay, you know, they put up uh, 47 points on the Bills, and I believe it was six rushing touchdowns and zero passing touchdowns. I think that's a franchise record for the Saints. And then you top it all off with the fact that the Saints have had the, one of the most atrocious defenses in the, in the league the last couple of years, and now they're world beaters. I mean, they are really, really impressive. So... My question for you, Shaka, and really I want to get some of this feedback is, what do you think of this Saints team, this new defensive powerhouse, this new ground-and-pound game, this this new limiting of Drew Brees, who's one of the most prolific passers the game has ever seen? Is this sustainable? Is this the solution for them? And can they really go deep in the playoffs playing the game like this? What do you think? Uh, I think really what you can give credit to for the Saints this year specifically is being flexible. Mm. I think the problems they've had in the last few, let's say three years, their running game really hasn't been good, is they pretty much tried this, the same old straightforward formula. And I, I think to give credit to them for, one, being flexible in terms of like, you know what, let's not put it all in Drew Brees' hands. He's, you know, he's up there. He's in his 40s now. Uh, you can't really rely on him to be, you know, just airing it out because clearly it hasn't worked the past few seasons. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the flexibility part I'm talking about is just making a few tweaks on offense and defense. And like you said, going for the ground and pound, uh, two of the biggest uh, additions they've had on both sides of football is one, Alvin Kamara, yep. running back, who is so flexible. He can he can line up in the slot as a receiver. He's great with screen passes, and he can run the football straight up. He's been yeah. great at He's averaging, I think I have the numbers here somewhere, 6.5 yards per carry. Yeah. This season, which is fantastic. And I mean... If you're going to have a, a third down running back to relieve you of 
you know, this powerhouse in Mark Ingram, who's also, I, I feel like part of the a problem also was Mark Ingram just was not getting the carries as a workhorse back ever. Mm-hmm. So we would see him for 12, 13, 14 carries. Trust me, I had him in fantasy for the last two years before this. <laughs> so I know exactly what I'm talking about in that one. Oh, yeah. He did not get him enough carries. He's finally getting a full load, and he's really performing, and Kamara's been doing a great job of spelling him. That's on the offensive side of the football. On the defensive side, man, I wish he'd been in the draft. He's still been available at the time, but Marshawn Lattimore, their That's rookie quarterback, has been fantastic. Amazing. Um, It's I like they got a Pro Bowl guy right out of the gate, and he has just changed the whole defense. Let me tell you, when the Jets drafted Jamal Adams, I was very happy. I had no regrets about the pick. I still don't. I just wish their next pick was a corner, and I was looking at Marshawn Lattimore, and I think the other guy was Gary Young Conley, but he was going through a whole bunch of legal drama. I think mm-hmm. he had a rape charge right around the time of the uh, NFL draft, and his stock was going to fall. It didn't fall enough for the Jets to pick him up. But when Lattimore was off the board, I was crushed. Yeah, I com- I completely agree. Because I think the thing that's, you know, number one, we must highlight the fact that they have pivoted, they have shifted. This is a team that has, you know, I don't think they were initially going towards the run game when they came into the off, when they came in from the offseason. You know, I, I mean, I think they thought about that with Adrian Peterson. They clearly wanted a little bit more variety in the backfield. But the thing that I think has surprised the Saints team, as you said, at these draft picks, Kamara, I don't think anybody expected him to be as good as he is. Same thing with Lattimore. I mean, well, I mean, Lattimore, I think they expected greatness, but not this quickly and this dominant. I mean, he's being ranked as one of the best corners in the league. And this is a defense which is now getting points off turnovers, which is, you know, controlling the, the you know, uh, field of, uh, position of the ball and, and really, really dominating. And then the offensive line is now getting healthy. You had a rookie offensive lineman coming in, and I think uh, Ramchick, I don't know if he's playing left tackle or right tackle, but now Teron Armstead's coming back. Uh, I mean, this is a team that's getting hot at the right times. And, I mean, listen, if you're asking Drew Brees to do less I don't think that's a problem because, number one, it's going to mask his decline. Listen, sooner or later, as great as he is, you know, you're going to see a little bit of a decline in that in that passing game and uh, that ability of him to get the ball down the field. So if they're relying on him less and relying more on this run game and the offensive line is able to push the line around and actually allow them to get some space, not to mention the creativity and the play calling. I mean, they're moving Kamara all over the field. This is like everything they could have wanted out of Reggie Bush and Darren Sproles, only just as good, if not better, than you could have expected. And, I mean, this team is scaring me. I think it's incredible, really. Um, When you really think about, when you look at just the death chart, really only Brandon Cooks is probably the only piece that's missing in terms of wide receiver death. They brought in, you know, Ted Ginn Jr. just to kind of serve as a similar role as the deep threat. But really, there's not much difference. They've had pretty much the same core wide receivers for about maybe four or five years now. Mm-hmm. You still have Michael Thomas, you still have Brandon Coleman, you still have Willie Sneed. Like, these guys have been around for years. Yeah. I think really just the big change in, like, letting the run game kind of dominate um, really, really, really has just drastically... One, I think also is a huge benefit for the defense because when you're running the football and you're running the clock down, you're giving that defense a chance to rest. And, I, I mean, last year they just got abused in the air um, passing game from opposing players, the defense. And this year, I think they only give up about 120, 130 yards passing per game, which is just 
an astonishing turnaround. So it really, it, I mean, it's a payoff on both ends. So the fact that they're seven and two right now still boggles the mind that that few tweaks has produced so much, you know, more of an output. They've already won more games this season than they have in the last three or four. Yeah. So it's crazy. Yeah, really, this is a team which has now come back and has come back with a force. And, you know, when you're going into the playoffs and you're talking about teams that are going to be dangerous, teams that have won Super Bowls before, quarterbacks who've won Super Bowls before, or at least quarterbacks that have been on that big stage before, that frightens me. Because that's a team that I don't care how underrated they are, that means those guys can always pull magic out of their ass. And with a team like the Saints going in, the Seahawks, the the Panthers, like these are the teams that are probably getting ready to go into the playoffs – you know, I'm not as secure. Listen, I don't want to knock my Eagles. I love me some Eagles and I love what they're doing. But it's times like these where we start to get clouded by what the Eagles and the Rams are doing and, uh, you know, for, and, or the Vikings for that matter. And I think we kind of sleep a little bit on these perennial playoff teams because, you know, they still got magic that they're ready to just pull out of their ass. And, I mean, you got to watch this Saints team. Listen, if the defense keeps playing the way it does you better watch yourself because uh, they're going to, they are a physical team. Now this is not a team that's trying to just air it out. This is a team that wants to push you around. And if you can't deal with Ingram, Kamara is going to make your head spin. I don't think anyone was really taking him seriously uh, until this game against the bills. And granted the bills have kind of had an up and down season. I think just the absolute dominance where LaShawn McCoy is absolutely stuffed. Uh, Tyrod Taylor is just contained. Can't get out of the pocket. Um, and just can you know, again, stuffed, you know, but they probably saw a little bit of the Jets playbook in terms of how to play this team. Mm-hmm. But the fact that the Saints are just so damn good on both sides of the football, I don't think they're uh, under the radar anymore. I think people are watching. Yeah, dude, you said it, man. I'm definitely keeping my eyes peeled on these guys. I'm glad the Eagles don't have to play them during the rest of the season. Uh, all right, let's shift. Let's move to the next game, which I think probably, listen, there's a lot of games that are raising eyebrows, but um. The Cowboys laying an egg against the Atlanta Falcons. I believe the final score is twenty-seven to seven. Um, okay, we it's it it's like you know it's like it's time to talk about you know the problem child. It's time to talk about the Cowboys. I know we've loosely discussed this. I know we've touched upon it. I, I don't even want to take this time to focus on the Falcons. I think we've already discussed in multiple podcasts the problems with the Falcons, the 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 underperforming elements of the Falcons. Now Devontae Freeman's probably got a second concussion. He's probably going to miss uh, some more time. I don't have faith that the Falcons are going to turn it around and get to the playoffs. This NFC is too hot. But the Cowboys, I mean, my God. So this is a team, I think for me, I, I mean, I don't know if I wanted to say it, but I thought last year was an anomaly. I thought they caught lightning in a bottle. I thought everything kind of came together at the right time. Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, and, you know, there was a little bit of they kind of caught the league off guard. And for me, it wasn't a partic- it wasn't a big surprise when they when they lost at home to the Packers. There was a sense of this is a seasoned playoff team and they're going to come in and, you know, knock out knock knock off the upstarts. So having the, the Cowboys come into this year, it was like, all right, now you guys really need to replicate this. This past Sunday, Ezekiel Elliott's suspension finally kicks in. You saw that they missed him, okay? Alfred Morris and Rod Smith, these guys could not do the same thing. Sean Lee missing the game. Okay, this de- he's like Earl Thomas with the Seahawks. When he's not playing, this Cowboys defense, which is, listen, I think it's okay. I think Rod Marinelli gets more out of the Cowboys defense than, than most coaches. I think he's a great defensive coordinator and a good coach, but... 
I don't think this Cowboys defense is particularly good. They've got a few good players, but when you take Sean Lee out of there, when you take the quarterback away, I mean, they just look like they're not ready to deal with anybody. And the last thing I'm going to say before I turn it over to you, Shaka, Tyron Smith not playing. The left tackle not playing, Chaz Green coming in, Adrian Claiborne getting six sacks alone in this game just on Chaz Green. I mean, that was just downright atrocious. That's where you got to start looking at Jason Garrett and the coaching staff not being prepared for this game. Okay, listen, I don't want to make it my business to shit on the Cowboys. I got a lot of Cowboys fans. I live down here in Texas, but we have to talk about the Cowboys and what's going on. So give me some of your thoughts. Can this team make the playoffs at this point, Shaka? Well, I want to start off by saying that I actually kind of disagree with you on the part about the Cowboys being lightning in a bottle last year. Okay. Last year, I think there were a couple factors that played in. One, they were healthy, or rather, excuse me, their offensive line was healthy for most of the year. Mm. And I think the one or two times where they had some questionable injuries, they had backups who could come in and fill the gap for long enough. I think just this year, the difference between this year and last year is... Well, well, let's put this out there. The defense wasn't that good last year either. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They had a couple lucky breaks. But overall, I think the fact that their their offense was so just dynamic, uh, it it kept them in games. It kept them in a lot of close games last year. They didn't really dominate too many teams. If you go back and look at the scoreboard, there was no, like, blowout victories. They weren't doing what the Rams are doing to some teams this year or the Saints. Mm -hmm. But they won games. Um, Now you traject to this season. And there's just so much shit surrounding this team this year. Yeah. There's just always something going on. Um, and I don't want to say it's a distraction, but look, Ezekiel Elliott pretty much every week for a while there had to go to a judge to get an injunction to kind of make sure that he was actually going to be on the damn field. Yeah. And when he was, he was, he was fucking fantastic. Yeah. Had, I think he had a three-touchdown game the week before he was finally in, like, you know, finally suspended. And the team looked completely different. This past weekend without him, they just they looked fucking lost. They they're not the same team with uh, uh without Ezekiel Elliott on the field, and I think that is enough of an, uh, a damning statement to say where they're going to go for the rest of the season. Now, in terms of them losing, you know, some of that offensive line, that's even worse because you know um, now everything's already been placed on uh, Dak Prescott's shoulders. And now you can't even uh, pass protect for him. Yeah. Well, you know, and let's face it, Des Bryant has not been the same receiver he has been in his, you know, his earlier years. Yeah. He's lost his snap. Cole Beasley's great in red zone situations. Obviously, the tight end situation, he's he's getting up in there in years. Witten's going to have to retire sooner or later. So they're going to need an infusion of more younger players to go with Prescott and Elliott. And I think, I think, you know, this is just such a precarious balance. Like, they're basically tightrope walking every season. They have to make sure everything is going just right. But when it is, they're fucking fantastic. But they're going to need an infusion of youth to make this uh, to make this work. And they're not going to see that this year. They're not. I don't, I don't say they're not going to make the playoffs, but they're just not. They're, they don't threaten me. They don't threaten anyone, frankly, in their I, division. I am. Um, I'm really. Th- I'm starting. Listen, I, I agree. I And thank you for. For you know, disagreeing with I like it when we disagree. Disagree with me saying now nah, their offensive line was good last year. I want to start looking more at the coaching for this team. Because I think we can agree that there is clearly talent on the team. I agree that you're you're definitely right with they need to do an upgrade from Des Bryant because he's making a lot of money and he's we are seeing the decline in front of our eyes. He can't continue to replicate what he did four or five years ago. Um but 
when I look at what they did with Chaz Green at left tackle, this element of, you know, uh, when you lose a left tackle, you start to do things to accommodate for the backup. You put a tight end over there. You get a running back over there to chip the, uh, the pass rushers, something. And when they didn't help Green at all throughout this game and they just essentially let him just kind of get his ass beat on the left side, not to mention the fact that Dak Prescott's getting sacked and he's taking the brunt of it, I mean, there's a coaching element there. And I also start to sit back and, you know, I've listened to a lot of these sports talk guys talk about the coaches. A lot of them sit back and they say, what the hell does Jason Garrett really do? Now, I'm not saying he doesn't do anything as a head coach, but there's a lot of these, well, you know, Sean McVay calls the plays and other coaches, you know, this guy calls the plays and this guy calls the defensive plays. And, you know, there's a real sense of, I think there might be a little bit of a coaching situation going on in Dallas because I think the talent is there. And I think they could go a little bit further if they had a better coaching staff because I I can't help but look up to the top now because I don't know what difference Jason Garrett is making right now, especially when we see some of the undisciplined football that the Cowboys play because sometimes they look fantastic and sometimes they look like dog shit. And this was even with Elliott because they had a few games – even with Ezekiel Elliott, where they still shat the bed and just looked, they did not look ready to play. And as much as as much magic as Prescott and Elliott could make, it still couldn't accommodate for their sieve of a defense. And this is with Demarcus Lawrence. This is with Randy Gregory and David Irving. Um, so I'm really, I mean, I think that I think their defense is going to be their undoing. And now that you take these supporting pieces away from Prescott, you take away their left tackle, you take away Ezekiel Elliott, and you also sort of throw in the fact that Jason Witten's getting older and Des Bryant can't really catch the same passes. I mean, all right, pop quiz right now. Does this team finish under 500? Ooh, man, that's a rough one. You know um, what I'm saying? I have to go and look at the schedule. I want to say no initially. But you know what? I'm man? gonna pull up the schedule right now, and we're gonna spit it out at you. You're gonna tell me. Uh, look, they're oh, they five and four right now. They are five and four right now. Uh, next week, they've got a Sunday night game against the Philadelphia Eagles in Dallas. That's a loss. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even kidding. I'm just trying to as a joke. But I'm just basically doing an, a cutthroat evaluation. Okay. So um, I'm not sure about Sean Lee. Is Sean Lee done for the season? Is he, what's his, no, uh, they're, they're saying he's going to miss two games. So he'll miss the Eagles game, and then they've got a home game against the L.A. Chargers. Look, man, without Sean Lee on the field, the floodgates are open on defense. Okay. Which, you know, so, I mean, just imagine him as the only person keeping the gate shut. Okay, so they, they lose to the Eagles. That makes them 5-5. Five and five. Uh, Again, home game against the Chargers, let's say without Sean Lee. And without Ezekiel Elliott, which, again, that offense, so much of that offense goes through. So that could be another loss. Now you're looking at five and six. Potentially another loss. Then you got a home game against the Redskins. That's anybody's guess. The Redskins are just as uh, bipolar as a few of the teams in the league right now. So let's say they win that game. Makes them six and six. Okay. Okay. Then they get a road game against the Giants. That's a win. (laughs) Then they get so that's seven and six. Then they got a road game against the Raiders. That's you know, going to be a rough one. I yeah. mean, the, both of these guys don't play any de- any defense whatsoever. Correct. And I think Ezekiel Elliott might not be there for that game. Let's give him the edge. Let's give him the edge. Okay, so that makes him 8-7. and seven. And then you've got a home game against the Seahawks, 
where Elliot could... I've got to give the Seahawks the edge on that. Yeah, so then you've got... Uh, um, what, is it? what was I? I was at a 7 and 8, or, or 8 and 7. We were, we were 8 and 7, yeah. So we're, it would be... We'd be 8 and 8? Yeah, that'd be a 500 team. No, but hang on. We've still got one more game. I'm doing the math wrong. Oh, wait. Okay. <laughs> this is awesome. People are listening to this podcast being like, these fucking idiots don't know how to count. No, well, we're trying to project what the hell's going on with the freaking Cowboys, and I'm... I'm they're not making the playoffs. Right. I mean, five and five. I'm they lose the Eagles. They're five and five. They lose the Chargers. They're five and six. They beat the Redskins. They're six and six. They beat the Giants. They're seven and six. They beat the Raiders. They're eight and six. Okay. okay. They lose to the Seahawks. They're eight and seven. And then they close against the Eagles. What? Oh God. So, so they yeah, could, well, they I, could I, be I'm eight and eight. This one a loss. It's a loss. So it's eight and eight. So they can be a five hundred team theoretically. This is assuming. That they they managed to to keep Dak Prescott on the field, you know, without a combat vest on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, look, it's it's gonna be rough, man. I, I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know uh, legally when I say what's gonna happen. I mean legally with Ezekiel Elliott and mm-hmm. how many times he can go and you know stand in front of a judge to to to, to play on the field. Honestly, if I was them, just let him fucking serve out the rest of his suspension. Yeah. Let him serve it out. The season's kind of a wash right now. Let him serve it out. They come back, you know, reloaded next year, and they need to hit the draft, address some um, issues on defense and offense, and come back fresh. Yeah. I, I, I really think, you know what, they kind of have to look at this race and see that they're kind of getting left in the dust. And, you know, just not want to say tank the season. Obviously, that doesn't make any damn sense. No, but of course not. You know, just... It, the futility right now with um, the whole Elliott situation and Jerry Jones, you know, saying it's not personal, going after Roger Goodell. And yeah. just like, I mean, there's just so much shit going on around this team this year that they really need a clean slate. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, uh, I'm, I'm totally with you. I don't think they're making the playoffs. And I do think that probably the best option for them is an 8-8 eight and eight season. It's, it's a shame considering, I mean, how much magic they had last year. But I... They got too many problems, and they're not coming back this year. Uh, all right, let's move. Let's keep going. Uh, another team that I thought was interesting to talk about is the Steelers-Colts game. So the Steelers pull out this win 20-17 to on the road against the Colts, but, okay, they struggled to win this game. The Colts pretty much were went up early and, and stayed on top of this Steelers team. The Steelers had to fight and claw to get their way all the way back just to try to win this game. So I don't really want to focus on the Colts because I do think the Colts are dog shit right now. They're three and seven. I don't have much hope for them. Let's focus on this Steelers team because this is a seven and two team. This is a team that's at the top of the AFC because of all the things we've seen this season, the NFC is world beaters compared to the AFC right now. And the Steelers are one of the powerhouses. You're looking at the Steelers and the Patriots all over again at seven and two at the top of the uh, top of the conference. But these teams are flawed. Now, clearly, the Patriots are starting to right the ship. Their defense is improving. Tom Brady is throwing the ball all over the place like he normally does. But this Steelers team still looks like it has problems. And especially for a team that has continually, consistently been you know, hailed as this offensive powerhouse with Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, you know, even Martavis Bryant, who's been a bit of a non-factor this year. Now you got the 19-year-old Juju Smith-Schuster. Guy can't even drink a beer or go out there and get into a bar, but he's catching touchdown passes. Yet, Ben Roethlisberger can't get the ball out. He cannot air it out. Their passing game is not strong. I'm starting to suspect that this is really, we are seeing an actual decline of Roethlisberger. And now this talk about retirement from him doesn't seem totally off the reservation. 
So I guess my question for you is, um, how far can this Steelers team really go? Because how do we know that these sort of flaws that they're dealing with are not going to just be the thing that kills them in a wild card game? Uh, what, what do you make of this Steelers team? What are you seeing? What the hell's going on? Well, I actually got to watch a little bit of this game. And it's honestly the first time I've actually had a chance to watch the Steelers play any football this season. I'm actually I'm not a Steelers fan, but it's one of the few teams in the NFL where I'm just, you know, legitimately neutral on and I can watch a game and enjoy and not worry about any kind of investment in any of the players. Sure. But a few things I have to take away. Um, they're very complacent uh, in this game in particular. And like you said, the Colts are dog shit. But look, they have legitimate problems. Their offensive line for the Colts is terrible. Mm-hmm. Kobe Bissett has actually got a better arm than I thought he did. Yeah. his credit. But it doesn't mean much when you've got no pass protection and you're basically running for your life every down. Um, and even with that, you know, the Steelers, I think they were a little bit overconfident coming in expecting the Colts to just roll over. And they did not. The Colts actually played defense on them. There were, some, there were a few defensive series where they actually, you know, they got physical with the uh, the Steelers wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was anything where the Steelers wide receivers couldn't make a, a separation. They're supremely talented. I mean, you've got the best wide receiver in NFL, Antonio Brown. you got Martavis Bryant, who's basically like a prototype Randy Moss type of build. Um, I'm, he can command millions of dollars on the open market, and he's basically immature as shit. Mm-hmm. And you got Juju Smith-Schuster, who is, I mean... The sky's the limit with the guy. He's got so much talent. I still can't really project where he's going to fall on this team. Uh, and they really just did not seem inspired. Uh, it, I think they probably came in here a little bit, you know, like, all right, we're going to win this one. And they got their asses handed to them for the first three quarters where they really, you know, kind of had to get slapped around and realize that, you know, we actually need to put points on the board. The other thing I took away here is that Ben Roethlisberger is so – beat up and so prone to getting just roughed up yeah they don't even they don't he barely did any three-step drops in this game everything came out of the shotgun so i think a lot of their offense as talented they are is just telegraphed Mm -hmm. and this is why i think we're not looking at them like blowing teams out you know i mean obviously Le'Veon bell commands a lot of the run game but i it's it's weird to me to watch how many of the uh the shotgun draw plays they actually pulled off and bell is just so talented that he can make open lanes for himself but I, I think you know Roethlisberger is absolutely a weakness here he, he he exposes a lot of their flaws on offense he can still throw the ball out there but I mean he just really doesn't have the mobility that he used to yeah you know and he did have mobility for a guy his size 6'4 and what 200 and 270 pounds he's a big guy he's a big guy you know? And he's really he's lost I, I was gonna say lost a step he's lost about seven steps really <laughs> <laughs> it's really starting to show. God bless him. He's probably still better than more than half the quarterbacks in the league. But for a Steelers team this young and as talented, it 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 really, really kind of keeps them from playing at full potential. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that I think that Roethlisberger is regressing. I think he's I think we are or regressing is not the right declining. We're seeing yeah. I mean I because that, that's the first interception of Martavis Ryan ball. I mean that's an underthrown ball. I mean, that's arm strength. You're seeing arm strength be affected there. You're seeing the deep ball is 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 disappearing for Roethlisberger. And what you're actually kind of seeing is that if they run the ball to Levy and Bell more, they're actually more effective. 
It's yeah. like the things that, that the Saints are kind of doing, even though they don't have to because Breeze can still air the ball out, it's like the Steelers need to do that. They need to take a page out of the Saints' playbook because Levy and Bell carrying the ball 28, 30 times, I mean, those are the games where we've seen the Steelers, you know, really dominate. I mean, I don't, I can't remember when it was, but it was a few weeks ago, Levy and Bell ran all over the place, and that's when the Steelers were absolutely just world beaters. It's when... Roethlisberger has to do like an, uh, a 60-yard pass to Antonio Brown. It's not that he can't do it, but that's where he he's not connecting like he has been over the last couple of seasons. And you see, as you said, he becomes the weak spot. He becomes the guy who has to pull out, who has to do everything out of the shotgun. He becomes the guy who's telegraphing all the plays to the defense when if you just had a little bit more versatility, if you just handed the ball off a little bit more, if you just got yourself into situations where you're doing quick screen passes to Antonio Brown or Martavis Bryant on the right or the left, let your skill position players get some space and make it happen on their own, you know, all of a sudden, you're able to kind of, you know, compensate for a little bit of what Ben can't do right now. And again, coaching, it feels like they're not really ready to accept that. That's what I think. And I think, listen, I think they got a fantastic defense. I mean, their defense is one of the reasons they're still in it right now because this defense wasn't as good as it was uh, as last year. Last year's Steeler defense wasn't very good. But this year, I mean, they're really, really dominant. They can get a, the line of scrimmage. TJ Watt, I mean, geez. But, yeah, I completely agree with you on that one. But uh, this, Ryan uh, even better this year. Oh, my God. And, you know, to see sort of this slight little down tick in their offense I mean that's really discouraging and it it begs the question how far can they really go in this playoff hunt I think another thing I want to point out in their offense is just a glaring night and day difference between Antonio Brown and uh, Martavis Bryant yeah. Antonio Brown is so polished he runs these excellent routes uh, there was one play he caught like a little screen pass and just trusted the, the other receivers out there in the field to block downfield for him he cut back like four times instead of just trying to go straight ahead. And, I mean, he, he turned what was like maybe like a 24-yard play into like 45. You know, it's the small things like that that really kind of change your field position. Um, that interception uh, that you mentioned earlier to Martavis Bryant, I, I think part of that was just sloppy route running. Martavis Bryant just, you know, just kind of going through the motions, and, and he didn't even really kind of look back to check for that ball. No, and he didn't. Fight for it with the defender. And I think... This just him relying on talent instead of like, you know, there's a difference between talent and also just hard work in terms of um, being a great NFL player. Like Larry Fitzgerald is a perfect combination of talent and just a guy who, you know, is disciplined. Yeah. And you see that every time, like as old as he is, he'll still be one of the best receivers hands down in the league. And I think a lot of Brian's potential is wasted on, you know, just kind of complacency. And I think that summarizes a little bit of what, I see in the offense overall is this just a, a sense of complacency with some of the guys, which, you know, it's a difference. It, it, it makes a difference. I mean, they're still seven and two, but look, last year they were the favorites going in to the playoffs and then they ran into, you know, uh, a Kansas city team that like kind of shook them up. Mm -hmm. So I, I think they, they need a reminder. And I, I'm, I'm hoping this game against the Colts, where uh, there are a couple lucky breaks, that Shazer interception that just, you know, they got the football at the 10, 15-yard line, you know, turned that whole game around. It just makes them realize that, you know what, it, it only takes a little bit to knock you off the top. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to be very curious to see how, they, how this thing goes along, because I think you're right. The complacency, locker room, something's going on behind closed doors, because... 
the product we're seeing on the field, I, I don't think is what everybody was expecting. And I'm, I'm not sold on their record, if you know what I mean. I think they're right there. I, I, I can't remember exactly, but I feel like they had a similar issue going into the playoffs last year. Yeah, they did. They didn't, they didn't really start to get good until like those last three or four games where you're like, man, they look they look friggin' dangerous. They look like the hardest team that people were going to run into going into the playoffs. So, I mean, I mean, and sure enough, they were. They 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 took it all the way to the Patriots and, you know, you they know, lost some Bill Belichick, you know, Bill Belichick on him, you know, he does that. So it's look, I'm I'm still rooting for him. I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna be okay. That offense is still it's it's got all the potential to be a friggin' buzzsaw for somebody. So I, I'm hoping that they can kind of put the pieces together. But Ben Ben looks like we're we're seeing the twilight years right now. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. Um, all right, listen, we gotta we, we're getting towards the end, but we gotta finish this puppy off. And there's there's only one way to finish this off. We gotta talk about your Jets. Um, I know it's not the happiest moment for you, but I got what the hell happened? What hey, happened? Look, this I'm was Ryan saying, Fitzpatrick. This was the opportunity to shit on Ryan Fitzpatrick's face. What happened? You know, I'm in a weird mood today. I'm I'm thinking uh, I'm thinking to LeBron James's uh, hat that he wore in the interview <laughs> for the Knicks game last night. All good, man. It's all good. There's no hard feelings there. Um, really, actually, there's no hard feelings with Fitzpatrick. He, we got. A one great year out of him that I didn't even expect. A second so, year that you don't want to remember. Second year, which, I mean, you know what? That team kind of needed to be blown up. But Fitzpatrick's issues aside, we had problems with Brandon Marshall. We had problems with guys on the defense, Sheldon Richardson. Everyone everyone thought they were a fucking diva. So, you know what? Um, that team kind of was going to implode anyway. And Fitzpatrick was just, you know, one more brick on the shit pile. Yeah. Uh, now, looking towards this season... I already looked at the schedule. I've already projected that after, you know, after we played um, the Falcons, it was kind of going to go downhill. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really expecting to run into Tampa Bay without um, Jameis Winston, but lo and behold, we did. And the offense looked a little bit inept. Actually, probably the most inept I've seen all season. And, you know, every now and then your team gets a clunker of a game. And this was definitely one of those where we just couldn't get anything done in third down conversions. Couldn't really make anything happen. Um and Tampa kind of used those little moments to kind of edge and get the momentum here and there. And turnovers helped a lot with that, obviously. They yeah. had some good special teams. They did everything Jet uh, slightly better than the Jets did. I mean, that bo- that Bilal Powell fumble, I mean, that's just a that's painful. That hurt. That hurt. I mean, it really changed the game, too. So, I look, a rough loss is a rough loss. But I, I, I'm dealing in reality right now. And it's like I said at the beginning of the podcast. Hackenberg? Um, yeah, it, honestly, it's been two years. <laughs> Two years and no snaps. I'm not curious. I just, we just need to rule it out. I need to be able to either sweep it off the fucking table or, you know, like say, all right, this is what we have. At least you put him out there. And if he's so so and you still want to draft another quarterback, you got a trade piece. Yeah. But it's, no, this is, uh, this, you know, this is junk. You just put him in the fucking drawer and forget about him. Yeah. But you got to get a couple snaps. Now, now that being said, let me just wrap this up by saying quarterback's coach is making it seem like, they don't want to damage their young talent by putting them out there too early, which it goes back to what we've been saying since Hackenberg was drafted. He's raw. He's a project. He's a project quarterback. Um, and, you know, with me, as far as I'm concerned, anything that says a project quarterback means he might never actually pan out. Yeah. He's not the future. He's a project. So um, whether or not we see Hackenberg this year is uh, a great story. I think I think at least two games we'll see what he's made of. 
before the season's out. But um, other than that, look, man, I'm happy. We we played far better than I thought. We we fought every game. We're still fighting every game. So um, I, I'm happy. I have no regrets. Okay. All right. Hey, man. I listen. God bless you. I just uh, after I saw that, I was like, come on, guys. You, you, the Jets have been looking so solid to just. You know, like you said, everyone's sort of got they, they got a clunker of a game. This was a clunker of a game. You know, the, the Buccaneers have been desperate for a win. They're they're kind of having their own dysfunction. So I think they really just came and you know, the Jets were a team where, you know, the Jets have vulnerabilities and the Buccaneers sort of socked it to them in the right ways. And, you know, they came home with a win. I think they could chalk it up to just that. So the fact that you're still feeling good, go right ahead, man. That's wonderful news because you have something to look forward to. And I think you're right, man. I think you got to at least I don't fuck that whole protecting your young talent. Get them out there. If if this is a lost season, you got to trot some of those guys out there for week 15, 16 and 17 just so you can get them reps. They got to go out there and feel what it's like to actually be a quarterback in a real NFL game because nothing is ever going to replicate that no matter how much practice squad or practice you or reps you get. Getting out there and taking a snap in front of a full crowd at MetLife Stadium is the only thing that's really going to kind of, you know, let us see if these guys are worth a damn. It's just the only, my only worry about the whole thing with Hackenberg and putting them out there. I think the Jets maybe, they maybe waited a little bit too long. And I, when you look at the rest of the schedule, we have the Panthers next week. You got the Chiefs. You got the Broncos, you got the Saints, Ugh. you got the Chargers, and you got the Patriots. Like, do you really want to put him in in one of those games? Like, I wouldn't, which is why I'm like, you know. Yeah, I got to admit, all those games look awful for a, a fresh young quarterback. He's not going to look good. He's not going to look good in any of those games because all those teams are buzzsaws. Yeah, they are. You know, God God bless. Yeah, God's all me. of them have, like, nasty defenses that are just going to feast on him. The Chiefs, the Broncos. I mean, shit, Maybe even the Saints have a good D now. Let's hope maybe the Chargers, we can actually see some... But look, on the bright side, if there's a blowout, he's definitely going to get some playing time. Yeah, and maybe maybe, maybe they trot him out against the Patriots in a meaningless Week 17 game. Hmm. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, we're getting out of here. Thanks a lot for listening. We really appreciate it. As always, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Like my, uh, follow me on Twitter at SmithFaceJones. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. Hit us up with mailbag questions at SamSportsStation at gmail.com. Um, but uh, that's all we got. Enjoy this weekend's slate of games. We'll be back next week to talk. Uh, we're going to be focusing on playoff picture, man. we got to talk about these teams and uh, – who's going to come out on top and, uh, you know, who's actually worth watching. But uh, thanks a lot for listening. Uh, Enjoy the games, and we'll see you next week, guys. Take care, guys. Enjoy the games.